Welcome everyone to Outside the Walls, our new, not new, but uh, we're bringing a podcast yeah. back. Rehashed. Rehashed. Resurrected. <laughs> I'm Mark. And I'm Casey. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So we decided to bring this back. Um, this was something that you and John did, Casey, for yeah. a while, years ago. Yeah. And uh, we decided that with um, our new sermon series that we have at church, it'd be a good way to bring it back. And yeah kind of discuss the sermons from yeah. this past Sunday in the podcast during the week. Yeah, so if you are listening to this, uh, you could go back and listen to some of our older episodes. And so uh, it'll be a little bit different from those. We do hope to have some guests on the show eventually. Um, and this certainly won't be limited to uh, just the Sermon on the Mail. That's just the the new and current sermon series. And we thought, hey, we have a podcast platform. Yeah, <laughs> why not we? Uh, why not just uh, take these these sermons and reflect on them? And that's that's the purpose behind uh, this this particular series of podcasts within outside the walls is to reflect on these sermons that we're going to be going through that Nathan is preaching. And so we have what about a three month stint. Yeah, Sermon on the Mount series. So, Through the end of the year. So right? yeah, this past Sunday was the very first one. And so uh, we're excited about uh, getting some new episodes of Outside the Walls, uh, restarting, revamping. Maybe not necessarily revamping, but getting this podcast back active again at the top of your feed. And so uh, we're excited that you've joined us. And if you haven't already, uh, be sure to subscribe to the show. That way you get your notifications whenever we drop new episodes. But we intend on doing this every week as a reflection of the sermons. Yep. That, which it's hard to make a promise like that, but right. we'll try. We'll <laughs> try intention. our best. <laughs> yeah. um, the intention. And I'm pretty sure that this will be available on most podcast platforms. <laughs> so whatever you use, uh, you can get it on there. If you can't find it on there, maybe let me know. Send me an email. Yeah. Mark, Request it. Yeah. Mark yeah. at WSChurch.net and I'll try to get it working for you. Um, but I think another good thing about having this back again is helping to encourage people throughout the week. Um, you know, they come to church on Sundays and you're refreshed and everything. Yeah. And sometimes the week can drag you down a little bit. Yeah. So having this kind of sort of in the middle yeah. of the week to help, help boost your, your encouragement, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be an episode that we drop on Sunday, because uh, we're too going to be taking some time to reflect on it. Uh, but yeah, it'll probably most of the time be dropped sometime around midweek. Yeah. Uh, and so it'll give you a few days to uh, forget what Nathan has said. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll bring it right back up to the surface of your mind and and, uh, and let you be encouraged all over again. And uh, some of you are thinking, I forget what was spoken by the time I get to lunch, yeah, so, <laughs> you might go a little longer than some having forgot what was talked about. But uh, this is this is meant to kind of bring it back to the surface of your mind and be thinking about. And I guess it could also serve as somewhat of a uh, kind of a review because we're going to also talk about at least the title anyway. We're going to uh, showcase maybe what the next sermon in the series is going to be, and so this would be a good way for you to think about what was what was talked about the week before and. Uh, that way it can be preparing your mind and anticipation and growing excitement for what is to come on Sunday. And if you're one of those people, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we should kind of let everyone know that 
we're going over a sermon series that um, our preacher Nathan Guy is doing, which he's the preacher at the Westside Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. Um, we both go to church there. Casey, you're a minister there. Mm-hmm. And um, Nathan's a good guy. We've known Nathan. <laughs> Na- even, we've known Nathan for a little over a year now. He's also the preacher. Yeah. Good yeah. guy. Preacher. Yeah. Nathan Guy. <laughs> But the sermon series is one sermon that changed the world. Yes. And so uh, this, I guess, series of podcast episodes will uh, maintain that same series. And uh, this particular sermon that he preached this last week was uh, kind of a intriguing sermon title, I thought, The School of Christ. The School of Christ. Yeah, The School of Christ. So uh, it was a very interesting title. So, my attention. So the series, One Sermon That Changed the World, um, isn't talking about Nathan's sermon. <laughs> right. Want to make that clear? And I think he made Not that. <laughs> I think he, he tried to point that out at the beginning of Church Sunday too. Yeah. But um, this is more specifically about the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus Christ spoke, um, and you can find it in Matthew five through seven. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a sort of a summary in uh, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Luke 6. Yeah. I think Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plain. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the the text that Nathan is choosing as the primary source of his Sermon on the Mount series, one sermon that changed the world is Matthew 5 through 7. It's definitely a more comprehensive <laughs> look at the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, and so, yeah, uh, we'll be we'll be rifling through these one week at a time as Nathan goes through and and talks about that one sermon that changed the world, not his, his this week. Thing. Yeah, if you, uh, if you look at our Facebook or YouTube page, which is a resource you can go to to watch his sermons, uh, you'll see the, the banner in the background, and Mark won't brag on himself, so I'll brag on him. But Mark did a excellent professional job with that background banner, and uh, looks great, and so uh, that will... That will be up kind of to keep top of mind uh, what what we're talking about in the worship assembly on Sunday mornings. And so, uh, so yeah, one sermon that changed the world, the school of Christ. So we mentioned Facebook and YouTube. I guess another, if you're, if you don't want to scroll through YouTube or Facebook and you want to get directly to the audio of a sermon, you can also listen to it on his podcast, which is called Life on the West Side. Yes. So we'll give a little shout out to uh, to his podcast as well. You can subscribe to that if you want to listen to the sermon first or watch it first. Uh, then that will help you uh, maybe know a little bit more of what we're talking about, help you in your reflection as we ask some questions of each other and think about our key takeaways. Um, but also, uh, he's provided for us, uh, which we'll link in the show notes, uh, a study book, a study companion to go along with his sermon series, and you can download that absolutely free, and it'll go through each of the sermons and ask some reflective questions and include some book resources. Which this was put together uh, more specifically for a class that we have after our sermon, on, or after the worship service on right. Sundays. Uh, that class is called Diving Deeper, mm-hmm. and this, I guess, semester, quarter, this quarter, yeah, quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, is being ran by, I'll go ahead and say their names, Todd Hunter and Jim Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a great job. And yep. we're just taking the same notes that they're using for that class and sort of doing our own little take on right. it. Right, right. And so if you're interested in kind of a class setting and hearing from 
other students reflect on it, uh, we would invite you to go to that class at Westside on Sunday mornings. Uh, unfortunately, right now, we uh, we don't have those on any kind of streaming platform, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast. We thought uh, we got have had a lot of great feedback from kind of that design of a class, and there's been a lot of people that have said they've gotten a lot out of that. And so we're kind of hoping to take that feedback and feed it into a podcast format so that uh, those who might not be able to go to that class might get a little taste of what goes on in that class. So in the notes, Nathan mentions some resources that he's used to put this together. And uh, these are three books specifically that he points out that maybe I would encourage you to go out and buy if you want and read and keep up with the notes as we go through the class here on the podcast or mm-hmm. at church. Yeah. Um, the three books are Living Jesus by Randy Harris, The Sermon on the Mount by Ed Gallagher, and The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Which yeah. is the coolest name, by the way. That is. That is a sweet name. And uh, I, I hopefully you don't have to be German to carry it, but uh, yeah, Dietrich. And, and so if you wanted to download the, the study booklet, uh, there's countless articles that uh, Nathan links to that uh, sometimes he's written them. A lot of them he's written. Others uh, he links to have, have been written by other scholars. Uh, he also links uh, countless videos, video resources, and so just a plethora of information in these. So would encourage you to uh, to certainly download that study book and maybe read some of the articles that are referenced and watch some of those videos, and that'll help you to even uh, go deeper and get more out of this these sermon series. So. So the first sermon, like you said, was called The School of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some key takeaways that you got from the sermon? So one of the things that he intros the sermon with is the good life different from having the right goods. The good life is different from having the right goods. And kind of the the idea, one of the takeaways from that is oftentimes we get so caught up in uh and maybe thinking about, I guess, a good life um, is is something we have good material blessings. Uh, we have uh, nice home, nice cars, um, you know, nice nice family, all the things. Uh, but that's not necessarily what Jesus would consider the good life. And uh, uh, he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, kind of detailing out what that good life would look like. Um, Something else he asked, uh, kind of a uh, tantalizing question was, what if you were to write your own obituary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, he told a story uh, about about a, a guy who had, uh, who had invented, um, oh, what was it, TNT? Dynamite. 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 And, uh, and there was a mistake in the journalism. It was actually the guy's brother who had died. And uh, the journalist had thought that he was the one who died. And so he kind of got a glimpse into maybe what an obituary or at least what people's thoughts about him would be. And I thought, huh, that is an intriguing, an intriguing thought. Uh, What about you? Well, um, I'm trying to think of what he said. They called him in the obituary. Oh, yeah. The the, the guy's name was Alfred Nobel (laughs) was the guy. Um, and so he read his own obituary. It's the merchant of death. The merchant of death. There That's you go. what they called yeah. him because he had made so many things that they yeah. used in war. Mm-hmm. 
And so after reading his obituary, he called up his lawyer, I guess, mm -hmm. and uh, decided that he was going to create the Nobel Peace Prize mm -hmm. uh, to give to people who do the most in the world with bringing about peace. Yeah, so he kind of flipped the script on uh, on what this particular journalist's uh, description of him was. He didn't want that to be his legacy, and so just put all of his money into changing his own name, <laughs> essentially. Yep. And so now we think of him as, you know, a, a bringer of peace. <laughs> One of the things I like Nathan mentioned near the beginning of his sermon was uh, his resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. And that's kind of looking at your own obituary. What you, what would you want to see in your obituary, obituary as opposed to what are your goals in this life? Yeah. And those tend to be two different kinds of lists. And so the challenge Nathan was saying that Christ gave was focus on that, the eulogy virtues mm -hmm. that we would have. And that's where we'd need to put our focus yeah. Yeah. and our concentration. Yeah. Yeah. And in connection with that, I remember him saying, uh, what you chase is what you become, uh, which is similar to, you know, Paul would have, would have had that kind of mindset when he, would write something like uh, you you sow or you reap what you sow, um, and that that mindset of uh, whatever it is that you're chasing in life, uh, that's what you become. And so we need to be mindful of what it is we're chasing. Are we chasing those physical things that we think of as the good life, or are we chasing uh, what is what is spiritual, which ironically might not always bring us the physical good things in life. And so. It challenges us to think, do I really want what chasing the spiritual good life will bring? And you know, as as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, uh, knew firsthand, sometimes that could bring about death. And so uh, Christians throughout the ages have discovered that sometimes chasing the spiritual good life um, could be their demise. And mm -hmm. so it's a very challenging, challenging thought to become what you chase. So getting more into detail on the Sermon on the Mount, um, one of the biggest things reading through it that you'll see is this opposite mindset of the typical worldview <laughs> of the world's natural view on how to deal with situations, how to look at situations. And that was Christ's challenge for everyone. And that's still our challenge as <laughs> Christians today is to change our worldly focus to more of a spiritual focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you, a lot of people read these, this list, maybe the first time you read it. And I mean, for me, I know most of my life reading this, it seemed like a, a list, a checklist um, that seemed very difficult and impossible to do all these things on this list. Um, it was mentioned that, Martin Luther looked at this and saw it as an impossible list that we can't do ourselves. So we need Christ mm -hmm. uh, to give us grace so we can enter heaven with him. And one of the things that Nathan, I think, was trying to point out was that that is not the way to look at this. Um, he said, it's not what to do, but who to be. Mm. Yeah, thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, another one of those key takeaways, kind of tying into that and piggybacking, is uh, he said, 
changing habits doesn't change what you want, what you love. Uh, what if you could adopt new things to love? And so this, this idea of changing our habits and even changing our mindset, you know, you mentioned this checklist and I, I think that whenever we think about Christianity as a checklist as a whole, uh, that's a, that's a dangerous rabbit hole to, to fall into. And it's exhausting. Uh, yeah. Exhausting. Uh, becomes very legalistic and exactly what, you know, Christians, Judaizing Christians were doing, uh, even just, you know, years, months after, after Christ's ascension. And so, uh, that is, that is not the intention of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but changing our habits, um, doesn't change what we want. And so, uh, just because we maybe change our habits doesn't, I guess, do away with maybe our heart's desires. And so, um, but if we start loving the things that Christ wants us to love, uh, then all of a sudden that is what starts to change what we want when we want what Christ wants. Yes. So, uh, why was the Sermon on the Mount so important? Well, I think, you know, as we get into this first episode, uh, that's right. I'd like to, I'd like to, I guess, maybe try and focus our, our minds on maybe a central objective. And so, uh, to think about, you know, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, the objective would be to help everyone realize that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount calls us to be disciples, people who put his teaching into practice. Therefore, we want to form a covenant group that agrees to live by the words of Jesus. And so, uh, that is our objective in this first episode. And so as we think about, um, as we go through each lesson, we're going to try and focus the episode on a singular objective. And so, so why is the Sermon on the Mount so important? I think one of the reasons is it's the longest recorded sermon of anybody in the New Testament. I mean, uh, and so it is, it is the most detailed portion of Jesus teaching the most extended uninterrupted portion of Jesus teaching in the scriptures. And so I would say, um, maybe just from a, from a scratching the surface point of view, it's so important because it's so many words of Jesus all in one place. Uninterrupted. And I want preachers out there to take note. <laughs> this is three chapters of Jesus most famous sermon. Yeah. And 11 verses. 111 <laughs> verses. And you said it takes 12 to 15 minutes to yeah. say this sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's all you need. 12 <laughs> to 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so it's incredibly important. And, you know, some have even, even suggested that this was, you know, if you look at the timeline, at least according to how Matthew lays it out, that this is kind of the introduction to his public ministry. Uh, you know, right before this, in chapter 4, we see him going out into the wilderness, uh, which is kind of a transition from his private life into his public ministry, uh, being tempted by the devil. Uh, we see his baptism by John the Baptist. Uh, and so the next thing is all these disciples gathering together uh, to hear Jesus' sermon. And so you know, another reason that I think it's probably so important is because Matthew puts it right at the forefront of his public ministry um, and the chronology that he lays out. So, uh, you know, if you think about what's maybe the most and one of the most important parts, you know, 
would obviously be his crucifixion, his resurrection. Um, but I think a, a close second to those things would be this sermon. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I also think it's interesting that uh, Matt, the way Matthew puts his book together, uh, the way he organizes it, uh, there's a lot of importance to it, and mm. there's a reason for it. Uh, but right before this, Matthew talks about all these things that Jesus did before giving this sermon. He was going around healing lots of people, mm -hmm. people traveling to different cities. Which I think is why there was this multitude of disciples that uh, the, the seeing the crowds there in verse one, you know, because he was going around doing those things. Yes. So I think we can get some stuff from that in that if we're trying to um, maybe convert people or teach them about Jesus, um, they need to be, they need to know that we care about them. And so we need to take care of their needs if they need anything, mm -hmm. take care of them before we try to uh, really get down and preach specifically or talk to them specifically yeah. about Christianity. Yeah, yeah. He, he mentions an article, and again, this will be in the show notes, at least you can access it through. Uh, through some links we put in the show notes, but an article that he wrote called The Complete Art of Happiness. And um, if you look at, I guess the introduction is what we would call it in, uh, you know, I guess schools of homiletics, but, uh, you know, Jesus' introduction to his sermon goes through what we call the Beatitudes. And, uh, you know, all these statements that start with blessed are uh, these certain people. And I, I never did think about it before I watched the episode of the chosen, which, uh, has been a, been a very interesting show on, uh, just their, I guess the, the creator's perception and, and, uh, interpretation of, of the life of Jesus and his apostles. But, uh, when, <laughs> when Jesus is, you know, thinking about the Sermon on the Mount and kind of the way that they lay it out, Matthew has such detail is cause they kind of put Matthew as somewhat of, uh, Jesus scribe for the sermon. And, and so they, you know, kind of showed Jesus interacting with Matthew and, and, uh, and, and so Matthew is, is struggling to understand, you know, why start out with these beatitudes and, uh, and the way that they describe it, Jesus says, it's, it's a map of how to get to me. And I thought that was an interesting perception, uh, uh or interesting interpretation of kind of this introduction is this is how you find Jesus. This is how you find the true Christian life. This is the art of happiness. And, um, you know, you go through all these statements and they're very counterintuitive statements. Uh, and so I think this, this sermon as a whole is so important because I think the introduction is kind of painting a picture of what's to come in the sermon. And that is the art of happiness. This is how you find true happiness. You know, we don't think of happiness in light of persecution, but Jesus says, blessed or happy are those who are persecuted. <laughs> uh, we don't think of happiness and all these things, but Jesus says, happy are these people, which is another way to translate that word blessed. Happy are those who do these things. So, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of get the idea that being blessed is something immediate, mm -hmm. um, health and wealth, things like that. Um, but that's not at all what Jesus is talking about as far as happiness goes. Um, we we tend to see the world in a small picture compared to how God sees the world. And our immediate needs, we think, 
are what are good for us. But Christ knew better than that. He wants better for us than that. Right. So this is how we do it. Yeah. So there's a lot of things in his sermon, like you said, that are counterintuitive. Um, and there's a lot of very difficult things that don't seem very practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Like, oh, I'm trying to look at one now. Uh, being persecuted, mm-hmm. for one, I guess, is an example. Um I mean, how much can we be persecuted before we're allowed to do something about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this this whole idea of uh, man self defense and uh, whew, yeah. I mean, you know, there's been Christians throughout the ages that refused to be uh, involved in war um, because of this sermon. Uh, because they they didn't feel like that um, that harming somebody else was the way of Christ and um, you know this this idea of persecution and should we try to avoid persecution uh, is is certainly a hard a hard struggle. I mean, I, it, my immediate knee jerk reaction is to go to another you know point and. Jesus sending out the disciples uh, later in later in the Gospels uh, as they're going out to spread the spread the word. Um, he actually tells them to bring a sword with them, and and so it uh, you know it 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 makes me think that yeah there is going to be you know persecution from a from maybe a certain level of life maybe including government uh, that. Christians will experience and maybe we should come to expect it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I can, I can see maybe the, the call for Jesus also to, um, to just let his disciples know this is something that is coming Mm -hmm. and, uh, and to be ready for it. And, but you know what, if you're being persecuted because of me, then that too is going to lead you to ultimate happiness. You're going to be blessed because you're persecuted for my name's sake. And we're going to go more into some of these sections in more detail throughout the whole series, but mm-hmm. there's other things too. Um, like do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That can get difficult after a while, especially if it's somebody that keeps taking and taking and taking Right. as a person that, that can be very frustrating. But even that, Christ says to do it that way, I mean, right. to give to those who borrow from you. And so it's hard when he tells us to do these things and we don't necessarily feel like we want to. <laughs> um, also, you know, at the end of his sermon, he tells us to be perfect like his father is perfect. Yeah. That seems impossible to me. <laughs> right. Right. So do we need to really take that literally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, whenever I think about uh, perfection, I think, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no way for us to, uh, there's no way for us to attain that. Um, and, you know, it makes me think of something that, that Paul wrote that, you know, he was, he would certainly be somebody that would say, I'm the, you know, the chief of sinners. He, he actually did say, but, you know, he would he would be the first to tell you that he is not perfect. 
And, um, and so, you know, I think about, you know, that call that Jesus makes to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I think, you know what, uh, there is no way that I can do that, but with God, it is possible. And, you know, Paul mentions that as well. You know, one, maybe one of the more famously quoted verses in the New Testament text is, uh, it carries that idea of, uh, with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, um, and so trying to reach that perfection without God, without Jesus, without grace, without mercy, I think is what the Pharisees were trying to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so I would say, uh, yeah, trying to do it on your own, never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Never going to happen. You know, one thing that, uh, that I've heard it said, and I think it's, I think it's probably pretty accurate, uh, a thesis, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, uh, verse 20, Jesus says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I think what Jesus is saying is that there is the letter to the law, which the Pharisees want to hold strictly to, and they try and find that level of perfection through maintaining the letter of the law. But Jesus says, your righteousness has to exceed that. You have to understand and follow the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is that uh, that God loves you, that he is going to be there with you, and that you know there's there's no way to do all the things that the law lays out, but that's why Christ came, to fulfill those things, to, to make sure that we have a pathway to God. Uh, I'm going to quote Nathan uh, word for word on this. He, he said that, that what got me thinking of this is it's how a lot of the uh, Pharisees probably thought, but this isn't supposed to be sin management and behavior modification. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if it is like that in our minds, we need to reassess how we're thinking this through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And figure out where our heart is. And it's also one of the more uplifting things in um, Christ's sermon here is... He says, you know, if we're struggling with that and we want help with it, he tells us to ask and it will yeah. be given to us. Yeah. You know, ask, seek, mm-hmm. knock. Yeah. Um, and so that's always an encouragement to me when I'm struggling through something. Um, there's other things that he says in his sermon that help me out a lot in hard times, like not to worry because um, he's going to take care of us things like that, that is kind of uplifting to know well, more than kind of it's, it gets me through almost every day, but yeah, I, it's encouraging to know that we have somebody that loves us that much that when, when we fail at what he wants for us, he's still willing to help us and carry us along. Yeah. Yeah. So as we think about kind of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, and we reflect on it, uh, have we committed, and we'll ask you this specifically as you're listening to this podcast and uh, for you to reflect on, but have you committed to seriously living out the Sermon on the Mount? And how, maybe how have you seriously committed to living out the Sermon on the Mount? And um, and so as I, as I, I, since I asked the question, I guess I'll go first to give you some time yeah. to think about it. Okay. <laughs> well, real, real quick, do we have a way where people can send us comments for this? I guess email. Yeah. 
I mean, we could maybe I need to create another email address. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To 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 be announced. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. All right. We'll figure it out. Go ahead. Answer that question, Casey. And so, have we seriously committed to living out the Sermon on the Mount? And I would say, man, I've I've completely fallen short on this. And you know, I, I read the Sermon on the Mount, and I can uh, try my best to cognitively understand it. Uh, but man, whenever you know, you brought up earlier, you know, if, if uh, you know someone is asking you for the the shirt on your back, and Jesus says give them your code also. And, and, you know, my, I guess I really need to work on a heart of compassion. Um, because Jesus says, don't refuse the one who begs from you. And, uh, it is easy just to, uh, take that extra turn around the block to avoid somebody who's begging mm-hmm. from you. Um, and so there's a lot of points in the Sermon on the Mount that I have fallen short on. It is super hard to think about praying for my enemies when I think of someone who has directly wronged me or uh, has has wronged my loved ones um, to love them and to pray for them and that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do it's it is it is a countercultural sermon that uh, I don't know that anybody can say that they're uh, that they're doing it to its fullest but I I, I guess I I want to say, yes, I have committed to seriously living out the Sermon on the Mount, but there's so much, <laughs> so much growth room for me. Well, I guess commitment, you, you've committed to it. You have, <laughs> maybe you haven't done it perfectly, but right. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the same way. Um, I can see things that I fall short on every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to think that I try to work on it and improve. Mm-hmm. But I don't always. But one thing that I think I do notice, and probably everybody that reads this and tries to fulfill it will see, is it gets easier over time. Yeah. The, the yeah. more you work on it, the easier it gets. Mm. Yeah. And then that's when you have that heart transformation mm. that Christ wants us to have, where we start to actually love like he loves us. Mm-hmm. And so... I just hope one day I'll be a whole lot better yeah. than I am now. Yeah. Tomorrow better than today, and hopefully today better than yesterday. No doubt. No doubt. Well, what about the next question? Well, I was going to say, you know, Jesus was speaking to a huge crowd of people, mm-hmm. and a lot of these people, um, a lot of them were true disciples of Christ. There were, if you look in Luke, he mentions that there were also a lot of people that were just wanting things mm-hmm. from him. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of people that wanted to become Christ's disciples. And I know he mentions, um, or is it in Matthew, where the people are coming to him and asking him, um, or you know, he tells people to follow me, and they say, you know, they have all these other things they have to do first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Let the dead bury their dead. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so there are... I mean, a lot of these people are wanting to follow Jesus, but what do you think they're getting themselves into when they when they first heard this? Hmm. I mean, I would I would think they'd see Jesus healing people and a bunch of excitement, mm-hmm. um, and I guess at the time he seemed very popular. Yeah. So they probably didn't think they were really 
uh, sacrificing much, I'm assuming. Yeah. But then that changes. <laughs> yeah. What once yeah. they actually realize what they have to do. Yeah. And Jesus mentions it in the sermon, all these, you know, counterintuitive ideas that are hard to do. Um, so it's probably a little bit scary to first hear this, yeah. uh, especially when, you know, you were thinking this is going to be easy. All right. Um, so I guess trying to figure out for them in that time listening compared to us now, um, I mean, it's hard for both, I guess, mm. them and for us. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think about those in the first chapter, you know, those I've heard them called an- statements of antithesis. And, you know, you've heard that it was said such and such, but I say to you, and it's interesting that those come right after what I called the thesis of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 20. But, you know, they, they've heard these things from the law of Moses, uh, things that are pretty cut and dry, things that everybody understands to be true. I mean, nobody would think that it's okay to murder. Uh, and so Jesus says, you know, you've, you've heard that said, but then Jesus calls them to a, to a higher level, next level. And I would imagine that there was, there was certainly some excitement, uh, you know, with, with maybe that, that level of discipleship that he's calling, you know, they're seeing these, these miraculous things that Jesus is doing and he's basically giving them just some solid ways to follow after him and, uh, and ways that, you know, are going above and beyond, I guess, the call of duty of the, of the law of Moses. And, and so, yeah, I would think that, and trying to put myself in the shoes of those disciples who are hearing this for the first time, uh, or almost like, you know, this mindset of, yes, I've always felt like there was more, uh, and this is it, this is it. And, uh, and so I can, I can certainly see a level of excitement. I mean, one of the things that brings me the most excitement about this sermon is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that all these things will be added to you. You know, all the things that we worry about, all the things that we hope and dream for, all the things that we need, uh, all the things that we worry about. <laughs> Whenever we're seeking the kingdom first, uh, God is going to take care of us. And and I can imagine that people that were hearing this for the first time and maybe in the midst of despair, uh, worrying themselves sick, worrying themselves to death, can hear this message and think, you know what, I'm just going to follow Jesus and I'm going to seek his kingdom first, and I'm not going to worry about the rest of it. And uh, I imagine it was a it was a message of hope. Yes, especially him starting off with the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. There were probably lots of people there that were hungry and mm-hmm. were poor, yeah. um, and this was an encouragement to hear a rabbi All right. coming out and telling them these things that you don't have to worry. Even if you, you're dealing with all these things, if you're mourning, right. things like that, I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. And so that is an encouragement. Yeah. But as we go on, if we decide to become a disciple, um, it gets very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of priorities that we need to change in our lives. I think about where we place things um, as far as like jobs, families, you know, a spouse, your children, um, your home. Mm-hmm things like that, that, you know, are important. Like I think about family specifically, because that's one of the more difficult ones that 
Christ needs to come before that. Yeah. And that's what a true disciple needs to do is put him before everything else. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that, that's one of those cutting statements that Jesus makes in his ministry is, uh, you know, whenever you're following me, you're going to have to leave all others behind. You know, he makes the, the, the hyperbolic statement, you know, you, you'll hate your father and mother whenever you follow after me and these, these extreme statements. But, you know, it makes me think of another reflective question. How does the Sermon on the Mount relate to the overall mission of Jesus? And I think that you know, it, it calls us to level up. It causes us to realize that, you know, just simply trying to follow the letter of the law is not good enough. And as Jesus is living out his life, how he treats the poor, how he treats the downcast, how he how he treats those who are sick and in prison and hungry and thirsty uh, is is how we're supposed to treat people. And I think this this sermon is kind of laying out kind of the the outline of his ministry or uh, maybe even summarizing what his ministry is looking like in a compiled sermon format and how we should live our lives. I mean, if there's any one block of text that uh, kind of talks about the purpose of why Jesus came, uh, this would this would be it. The greatest sermon ever preached. <laughs> the sermon that changed the world. That's right. <laughs> um, so how do you suppose that his, this sermon relates to his overall mission? I, I think the whole concept of living contrary to our, um, our sinful nature mm-hmm. is a big part of the entire scripture um, and him letting people know that there's, there's a purpose for it and it's a better purpose mm-hmm. than what we can understand right now. Yeah. yeah. So on the, there's this question here, is this a burden or a blessing for the Christian mm-hmm. and why? Truth. I mean, it would be hard to say not a blessing since like the, the intro to the sermon is, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, blessed are all these people. And so, uh, you know, the, I guess the immediate, my immediate reaction is yes, this is a blessing, but at the same time it is, it carries a huge weight. And if we, if we look at that weight as a burden, then I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, but if we, if we look at that weight as maybe opportunity if we look at that weight as a way to shine the love of jesus into the world then um then i think that's how we can kind of flip the script uh, change our mindset from burden to to blessing uh, on the world and so that's that's kind of how i think about burden or blessing of, of the sermon and he he's invited us to uh give him that burden mm-hmm. that he'll carry it for us yeah and when he does that, or when we allow him to do that, mm-hmm. that's when we start to receive the gifts that mm-hmm. he's promised us. And so it's an opportunity and yeah. it's a blessing that we get to see that if we're willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd like to lead into kind of a final segment of each episode of this podcast that we're going to do. And we're, we're wanting to challenge you. We're wanting to uh, to give you a takeaway to think about for the rest of this week as as we lead into the next lesson 
uh, that we're going to have on that. So the challenge uh, for this week would be, we argue about whether to take it, the Sermon on the Mount, literally, when the key question is whether we will take it seriously. However, we interpret parts of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, acknowledging some may be literal, literal, some may be figurative, some may be metaphorical. There is no doubt that Jesus intends for us to take it seriously, to become this kind of person. And so whether or not we want to interpret this as a literal Sermon on the Mount, we definitely want to take it seriously. And so that's what we want to challenge you with. Yes. So... I guess I'll call both of us out right now. Are we willing to put the sermon into practice? I say yes. Yes. And hold each other accountable. And hold each other accountable. Yeah. That's and a so, good one. Yeah. And so maybe some practical suggestions on how to keep each other accountable. Um, maybe think about one person right now that you could shoot a text to and... Uh, you could just ask them what what would be one way that you're going to put the Sermon on the Mount into practice, depending on what time of day you're listening to this mm-hmm. today. Or <laughs> if you're listening to this at night, what is one way you're going to put it into practice tomorrow? And then tomorrow, actually follow up, actually actually ask about it, and not in some sort of judgmental, weird, like pharisaical way, but uh, that's not what accountability is about. But accountability is just you know, not only challenging somebody, but also following up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whether that's a phone call, whether that's a text message, email, um, whatever form of communication it might be, asking that question, question today and then following up. And then on the flip side of that, allowing yourself to be challenged and going out and asking other people to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. You can hold other people accountable, but it's right. hard to right. let people hold you accountable for things. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to uh, go into this week or the rest of the week and a good way to end the podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one scripture that we can kind of leave on uh, from the Sermon on the Mount uh, to kind of follow up with this challenge is in Matthew 7, uh, verse 21 and following. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus encourages us, wants us to hold each other accountable on putting these things into practice. And so um, whenever you're holding someone accountable and you're asking someone to hold you accountable, uh, maybe just hone in on one part that you're going to take seriously on the Sermon on the Mount this week and put it into practice and and let that person know, hey, I really put into practice this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. This is how. So that's what we want to encourage you to do. All right. And I guess I'll end it with the Great Commission. All right. So in Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew 28, uh, beginning in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. 
and that everything includes the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, yeah, obey everything. Yeah, and so the goal in all this is to make it voluntary. This isn't something that uh, you need to be having the feeling that this is forced down your throat, but it needs to be something that is practical. And that's exactly what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's it's practical theology. And so go put it into practice in a voluntary way. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any questions, if you have any comments, uh, feel free to get a hold of us. Or get a hold of Nathan. We yeah. can send them to Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure uh, I mentioned my email address earlier, mark at wschurch.net. Casey's email address, do you mind if I give that yeah, out? Sure. Okay, it's pretty easy. Casey at yeah. wschurch.net. <laughs> and uh, if you have a question for Nathan, it's nathan at wschurch.net. Yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll have a podcast <laughs> email address. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this uh, for this, I guess, not new podcast, but this new episode on Outside the Walls podcast. We look forward to dropping another episode next week, and I uh, hope you'll subscribe, tune in, and uh, get notified whenever we do that. All right. We love you. Love you guys.